Welcome to Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast with Stephanie Lee. On this show, we're going to talk about the experiences of high-achieving women and men across industries and lifestyles who are at about the midpoint in their career and are no longer satisfied to let life happen to them. Together, we're going to purposely create the second half of our lives by addressing burnout and overwork, by getting clarity on how we're creating the experiences of our lives, including how we're keeping ourselves stuck, by articulating what it is we want for the second half of our lives and identifying a plan to achieve it. Hello, and welcome to Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. Okay, this is episode 53, and I am celebrating because Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast, as you all know from the last episode, is one year old. And I had a blast last week going through and picking clips from each of our previous 51 episodes and stringing those together for you all. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. That activity gave me the opportunity to think back about what I have learned from a year of podcasting. And I think about this in several kind of buckets. One is what have I learned technologically? What have I learned about podcasting? And then what have I learned about myself? And I suspect what you're interested in is actually that last bucket, but I'm gonna spend some time on the other things too. And I want to share an exciting stat with you. So I've mentioned here on the show and on social media and elsewhere that all of a sudden the the show's audience is really picking up. A lot more new people seem to be listening, getting a lot more downloads on a weekly basis. And I'm very excited about it. It's not taking over the airways by any means. It's a tiny little show, but so few podcasts get to one year. And so I'm really really proud of the work that I've put into this and the fact that it's made it this far. And the fact that I'm willing to say out in the world that I am really proud of this accomplishment is also due to meeting with you every week in this venue and talking about things on this podcast. That's certainly one of the ways that it has transformed me. So, but I do want to give you sort of a um, taste of the things that I've learned in the other areas as well. Because people will ask me, you know, what all did you have to learn to start a podcast? And I actually took a class. So I was in Amy Porterfield's, she did a boot camp for building your email list. And one of the things that she talked about early on was that you needed to have some way that you were putting content out into the world that you could share with people via email. And I realized pretty quickly that as a life coach, I had no content I was putting out into the world. She suggested a podcast, maybe a blog, and maybe one other medium. I know blogs still exist. I don't know anybody that talks about reading blogs, but I know that people talk about listening to podcasts all the time. And I listened to podcasts all the time. Before this, I never would have given any thought at all to having a podcast. It seemed to be about, honestly, the most ludicrous thing. But after this encouragement, I decided, you know, maybe this is something I need to do. I'm a new life coach. I don't have tons of clients yet, but I'm so compelled that there are things that I can share with people that will improve their lives, that I want to be able to put this stuff out into the world 
regardless of whether or not my client base at this point is super deep. So podcasting was what I picked. And I found a class online and it's Jenna Kutcher's, I believe it's like podcasting 101. And it was something like six hours of video courses. My husband and I were headed to a family reunion in the car. He was driving and I was watching on my phone, just absolutely binging all of the video, video courses from Jenna Kutcher, telling me what the heck I had to do to set up a podcast. So I knew right away that I wanted to do both audio and video because with everything I came out of the gate, probably too strong by doing too many things at once. But there were so few podcasts that were actually in video. It seemed like a wise thing to do. And I had heard and read that a lot of people consume their podcasts on YouTube, even if there's not video. And of course, now YouTube has a podcast feature, which actually I haven't even begun to explore. But at that time, they did not. But a lot of people were listening to podcasts, even if they were just simply stills for the picture on YouTube. And so I wanted to be in that space too. And so I thought, well, okay, I'm getting started with this. I might as well just do video too. What the heck? So from Jenna, I learned about basically how to create content. I had to veer off and take her content creation class just to have any idea how to create content for a podcast. It was awesome. It was great. I recommend them both. I had to figure out podcast hosting. I had to find a podcast host that I wanted to, to use to distribute my show and figuring out which company I wanted to go with. And so I ultimately went with Captivate. I'm going to drop names of some software products here. I'm not an affiliate on anything I'm going to talk about in this episode. So I went with Captivate to host my podcast. And I knew that I was going to be doing all of the editing and that I was going to be editing both video and audio. And to me, that was the biggest hurdle. And so I saw people talking online about video editing in Descript. D-E. S-C-R-I-P-T. And the way that they described it was that basically you could edit like a Word document where you could just select a block of text and delete it. So what Descript does is it takes your video. So it takes the video I'm recording now and it transcribes it into a script. And then you go through and you edit from that script. And so it is actually pretty stupid easy. And I've become pretty competent with it, getting by with what I need to do. I learned from Jenna, I had to buy a music license to have music on the show. I learned how to create simple graphics for the shows in Canva. Um, and I take, do that each week uh, on my own. And I do all of the editing and overlay the music and the graphics for the YouTube version. Um, and then I also edit myself for all of the times that I say, um, ah, you know, oh gosh. So I have figured out how much I say those things in my speech especially since I stopped scripting, which those of you that have listened since the beginning will know about. So that's actually the tech software pieces, right? The other piece of this was that I had just built a website. My husband built the whole scaffolding for the website for me. I cannot take credit for that, but I needed to learn how to do my show notes pages because when I rolled out the show, I had these elaborate show notes pages, which were basically a transcript of the show, notes to anything that I had talked about, as well as a worksheet for each episode. So I made the worksheets in Canva and I, you know, did these show notes on my website. And so I needed to learn how to create a page each week for those show notes. So I did that. 
which was great because I had never edited in a website before and had no idea about any of those things. And now, you know, I can get by. There's, I can't do a lot of complicated stuff, but I can certainly get by on a website making changes, which is, it feels like a timely skill to have. So I mentioned that my husband is keen on tech stuff. So fortunately, he had enough AV equipment already and knew about things like mics. So he bought a mic for me. He bought a soundboard for me because he, he, he knew what I needed from doing a little bit of research online. And I really appreciate that. The Canon camera that I use is actually his, um, that he used. And so I've been using it full of, for a full year. So thank you, honey, for letting me commandeer your camera. Um, and then I had to do things like a ring light. And then I realized that if I was, if it was dark in here, when the days got shorter, that ring light was not doing it. So now I have a light on a stand as well. So all of those little things have come over the course of a year. And it's actually been super fun to learn how to do something entirely out of my wheelhouse like this technologically. It's forced me to do things on the computer I just simply didn't know how to do. I want to be able to use my devices and I want to continue to be able to use my devices knowing that technology is developing and changing at a crazy rapid rate. But I want to be able to be fairly competent to use my stuff. I know that I won't ever be able to do everything, but I don't want to be in a position where I can't use whatever the newest thing is that everybody else in the world is using because I just don't get it. So I, I got a taste of that doing this stuff, you know, like when I would encounter something on the website and I was just straight up stuck, like I didn't know what on earth I was going to do next. I knew so little that even problem solving was not accessible to me. And again, that's when I, I really relied heavily on my husband for a lot of that stuff. So again, I'm so thankful to him for all that he did to make this show possible. Actually, I need to call out and thank him very specifically for all he did. Um, to make this show possible. And I'm not going to say his name on the show because he likes his privacy, but honey, you know who you are. And I, I'm, I could not truly could not have done this or had a website without you over the course of the last year. From this experience, I learned how important it was going to be for me going forward to stay up to speed, reasonably speaking, technologically, that that's something that I want for myself moving forward. And I interviewed Allison Liu a couple of episodes ago, and she talked about brain health. And one of the things that she talked about was actually that as we age, we need to be continuing to learn new things, new things, different things, things we haven't learned before. So both perhaps an expansion or a depth of understanding of things that maybe we know a lot about. So maybe if you play the violin, you can expand about your, your knowledge of violin playing or learn new skills or these kinds of things. But then also that we need to learn new and different things from what we have done before. And this is again for brain health. This is to create new neurons, all of which helps us to preserve good cognitive functioning as we're aging. And this is an area where I'm going to do that. We, we folks in our forties are already in that place where we could be experiencing uh, a foretaste of some of these things. So it's important even now that we begin to find ways to learn new things in our lives. So that's why I talked about the tech with this for a little bit of a length of time that, and because I want to assure anyone who's interested, you can do this. If I can do this, 
you can do this. Uh, and you can certainly have a podcast if that is what you want to do. So that was what I learned technology-wise. What else did I learn? I learned about podcasting. So I learned that people like episodes downloaded on a schedule. This is not a surprise. I like episodes downloaded on a schedule. I learned that not everyone was going to be satisfied with the length of my podcasts, that some folks were going to want something that was about 20 minutes long and other people like a long form interview. For me, a long form interview is about an hour. Obviously, some of you all know that the interviews that are online with Andrew Huberman and Dex Shepard and Tim Ferriss, these are like three hour interviews. Peter Atia, his are that long as well. I won't be doing that anytime soon. Um, I learned about interviewing. So I've done a total of four interviews on the show. They were a blast. I was approached for one of those interviews by someone who wanted to be interviewed on my show. The others were people that I sought out to interview. And I'm excited about doing more interviews over the course of the next year. I learned that I can repeat myself conceptually, that I can talk about the same thing lots of different ways and that you all won't get tired of it because you're hearing it in a different way or it hits you differently when you hear it a second time. When I'm preparing episodes, I have this fear of repeating myself and somebody listening to the episode and saying, gosh, you know, she just says the same thing over and over. But what I have realized is how often I listen to podcasts, especially those that I listen to that are personal development podcasts, where they talk about the same things over and over. And I imagine that it's like marketing. They say that now with all of the media coming at us, you need to be exposed to something about 15 times before you have an interest in purchasing. I'm assuming that for our minds, we need to be told about things like getting exposure to sunlight in the early morning and what that does for our circadian rhythms multiple times before we take that information in. And certainly I have heard that tidbit multiple times on the Huberman Lab podcast. And obviously I've shared it with you all here as well. I have learned that uh, I can show up fully made up and in dress clothes and a blazer, or that I can show up um, a little more casual with barely any makeup on at all. I have yet to do a podcast with no makeup. I do not think that is coming in the future, but I have realized that I can throw something on and come in here and, and do a podcast and that it is perfectly fine. Um, the majority of you are of course listening on the podcast players, but a minority are subscribing to YouTube and watching the videos there. So I'm mindful, right. Of the face that literally I put into the world. I have seen periods of exponential growth. I can't explain. I have seen lulls. I can't explain. Um, I've learned how to figure out where my, you know, again, going back to some of the technology, I've learned how to figure out where my listeners are coming from. I've had listeners in 24 countries over the course of the last year. That's been very exciting. As I talk about what I've learned about podcasting and what I've learned about myself, what I'm finding is those things are hard to tease apart. So I have talked a number of times on the show about public speaking and the fact that I would consider myself a nervous public speaker. So when I started the podcast, every episode was scripted. And if you go back and look at those first episodes, especially online, even through, I guess it was through like March of this year, 
I was, I have my camera slightly above my laptop right in front of me. And then I would blow up the text and try to do my best not to be terribly obvious about reading the podcast, not to be terribly obvious about reading the podcast. Now, if I had chosen not to do video, this wouldn't matter at all, except that again, most of you listen and the downloads have gone up considerably since I stopped scripting. So there is a quality to the show that must be different now than when I was scripting the show. So, but again, I'm a nervous public speaker. So I had to have my script in front of me. And I don't mind telling you that when I have spoken in front of an audience for work previously, which I've had to do, you know, considerably over the last 15, 17 years, I have generally had pretty close to a script. I can go back. So when I was in high school, I don't know what the circumstances were, but I was asked to preach at our church and I preached and I had a script. It was a notebook with a typed script of what I wanted to say. And I just flipped the pages and read it. And it was actually fairly well received. It sounds worse than it is, but I had a script and I read to those people. And I read to you all for over the first six months of this show. Um, but come March, I was tired. So I was doing a lot. As I mentioned, I was doing the show notes. I was doing the worksheets. I had a webpage dedicated to every episode. Plus all of the other things I've mentioned to you about the graphics and the video editing and all of that. And I was plumb tired and wondering if I needed to actually continue with the podcast. And I guess that's where the idea came about to just say, I'm not scripting this sucker anymore. I'm just going to sit down in front of a camera, sometimes with notes, sometimes without notes, and just talk to y'all. It's been the biggest change in the podcast for sure. I suspect it's resulted in the larger audience. That's what I would attribute a lot of it to. And it has been transformative for me. Uh, because I continue to do a fair amount of public speaking in my day job. I am far more comfortable speaking to a group. I might use notes. I never use a script anymore. And part of it is just simply that I believe that I know enough about what I'm saying that I'm going to talk about the thing and people are going to ask questions and I'm going to cover enough of the topic that they get what they came for. So part of what I felt like I needed to do when I was scripting was ensure that I had the talking points that I wanted to cover and that it made logical sense. I cannot stand <laughs> to be listening to something and you're like, oh my gosh, that does not even make sense. So I wanted to ensure it was a logical flow, things built on one another. I didn't misspeak all of these things, but it came at a tremendous cost. And that cost was some woodenness. That cost was not being able to make eye contact as much as possible through a camera with you all. And that was also a cost when I was public speaking, you know, when I was speaking to others in groups, large and small at my day job and other opportunities that I would have to speak to people. So I am far more comfortable now. It is not without nerves, but I am far more comfortable now standing up in a room, knowing that I have 
five points to share. And then I am going to talk around that topic and just trusting I'm going to say what needs to be said. And then my audience is going to ask questions. And somewhere in that process, we're filling in the whole mix. And that has been, I mean, I don't even know any other way that I could have built that skill professionally over the course of the last year. I guess I could have gone to like Toastmasters and practice that type of public speaking. I could have signed up for more opportunities on my job for that type of public speaking, but I would not have been doing it once a week in front of you, which feels like a high risk, high reward scenario um, without this opportunity. So it's, it's been huge to me. So that is, that is the biggest personal transformation. I think we'll find out as I continue talking that has come about for me from podcasting. The other piece of it is that it has allowed me to put some scaffolding around my thoughts related to personal development, the concepts that I want to share with my clients, the concepts that are important to me personally. It's provided a venue for me to really work things through, to have a problem, to think about how to solve it, and to realize actually this is a good podcast episode because I have this problem, so do all of these other people. And I can share with them my thinking about that. And some of it's going to hit for them and some of it's not. And that's perfectly fine. So that has been really cool to allow me to to find some ways to leverage the podcast I would say for my own personal development. It's scratched a writing itch. I have mentioned on other episodes that I enjoy writing and I really, that's a part of my life right now that is pretty much on hold. but podcasting, even not scripting the episodes, somehow scratches a bit of my writing itch. It's that idea of putting thoughts and topics together in a way and putting it out into the world. It's also given me an opportunity. I have always said that I was not a person who thinks out loud, but you know what? On my podcast, I think out loud. And it's not my preferred way of thinking. If I'm attempting to solve a problem, I will probably always write those things out. But it's an opportunity to, again, build a skill set that I didn't have before. So I love it for that. The other thing that I have found is that I don't have any idea who's listening. I had a conversation and if she's listening, she will know, she will know who she is, but it was a conversation last week with a colleague at a different organization. And she said, you have no idea that I'm listening to your podcast, do you? And then she went on to talk about it. And it's not the first time in the last month that I've had conversations like that, where someone has said, Hey, actually I'm listening to your podcast. And this thing that you said on this episode meant a whole lot to me. I can't tell you how meaningful that is. That is the reason that I do this. Because again, going back to that beginning was I felt like I had acquired some tools. Not that I'm any big thing, but I had acquired some tools that I could share with some other people. People who would be able to hear that from me because of my life experiences, my credentials, who I am, whatever, that would help improve the quality of their lives because I had had such a positive experience 
learning life coaching tools. Okay, so here's some other things. So I have, you notice when you're going to show up in the world and you're just going to talk. So there's a lot of fear associated with that. I mean, maybe other people can do this and they're totally fearless. But for me, the fear of judgment has been huge. The fear of cancel culture has been huge. Um, the fear of what my professional colleagues, both in academic life and in counseling, will think has been huge. What has been amazing is how supportive people have been truly across all of the areas of my life. I have been so appreciative of my counseling colleagues, my academic colleagues, just absolutely all kinds of people that I would have really thought that they might think I was selling snake oil as a life coach, but they don't. And they've been supportive and that's been amazing to me. And it, it has, it's helped tremendously. I mean, it really has. There's just no other way to say that. Now, I do say that knowing that I have been fortunate so far and really have not gotten um, attacked online, frankly. I mean, you know, it happens to everybody. I guess when you put yourself out into the world on social media or other venues, eventually somebody is going to not like you and not like something you've said and tell you and tell all their friends. And I know that there's some inevitability in that. I mean, you don't play in this space without expecting some criticism. And so one of the things that I have been working on recently is really taking a look at that fear. And am I willing to let that fear keep me from showing up? Actually, I'm not, but that doesn't mean I'm not afraid. And so how do I then learn how to show up anyway? How do I, how do I create enough safety for myself so that even when the public on social media or whatever doesn't feel safe, that I am creating safety for me? Because we know, and this is something I've learned over the course of the last year, though not from podcasting. But we know that our nervous systems need to feel safe for us not to be in fight or flight. And so I need to create safety for myself when I'm podcasting and when I think I'm saying something that is going to potentially offend someone, upset someone. I have this idea of getting me in trouble happening, you know, whatever those things are. So it's caused me to take a look at that. I have learned that I can show up on a podcast and I can change my mind um, or change the way that I present a concept. So early in the podcast, I talked about burnout and I talked about cycles of stress and rest. And I love this concept. I continue re returning to this concept. But what I didn't talk about in, in, in those episodes at all was the effect of burnout on the nervous system. And this is something I want to credit Louise Lewis who was on episode, I believe, 39 with for really understanding, for helping me to really understand what burnout looks like through the lens of our nervous system. 
And so if you have not listened to that episode, certainly do so. There is a link in that episode to her course on burnout. You'll want to check that out too. But Louise's instruction on burnout through a nervous system lens found its way into my later episodes on burnout. So my thinking shifted to incorporate new knowledge that I was acquiring. And you know what? People didn't stop listening. So people must be willing to grow along with me. So that was exciting to change my thinking in public. And I I told people when I started the podcast, I think on one of my first episodes, I said, I feel like I am up here doing my little like hot cross buns piano recital in an auditorium full of people who came for a classical concert. And you're going to see me make mistakes and you're going to see me learn. You're going to see me change my intro on the podcast. And I suspect I'm about to do so again. Um, you know, you're probably going to see me rebrand, you know, that almost always happens somewhere along the way that, that folks rebrand their shows or their, or their life coaching niche. Um, and I'm sure that like everybody else, I will probably do that as well. But I started the show with one set of introductory language, and now I'm using a slightly different set. And part of that is because I have learned talking to you all that you want a lot for the second half of your lives, but boy, it seems unattainable because today just feels unmanageable. And you're a little ashamed of the fact that today feels unmanageable. And so I have spent a lot of time over the course of the last year talking about that and talking about tools to manage that. Because if we are burned out and exhausted today, how can we think about what comes in the future? So we need some tools today to resolve our burnout. I have learned the importance of community. I have started a book club, which is giving me an opportunity to engage with listeners It's a pretty like low entry in terms of a book club. People participate in a Facebook group when I ask questions or offer prompts or they don't. And then we have a Zoom call at the end of the month where we talk about the book and people show up or not. It tends to be a small group, but people engage and it's an opportunity just to connect with people who are listening or people who are on my email list or people who found me somewhere on Facebook and just want to read along with other like-minded people. So if you're interested in the book club, we are reading humor seriously. And there are two authors. I am not looking at it right now. Acker, A-A-C-K-E-R, I believe is the first author's name. If you're interested in joining it, I will include a link to join the Facebook group in the show notes for this episode. So that has been fun. That has been a recent addition and is something that I'm really enjoying and that I hope to keep up. Yeah, and that need for community, it's really about the the desire on my part to have some feedback from my listeners about what they like, what they don't like, what what's interesting to them. And so over the course of the next year, I'm gonna figure out some ways to do that as well, to create some opportunities for me to get some feedback from listeners. I think that's probably plenty. I did also learn, you know, to be sure your mic is plugged in before you (laughs) record an episode. I recorded an entire episode with my mic not plugged in. Um, You know, you do those things. It's just part of the process. And I totally knew I would, but it's super frustrating when you do it because you've just spent, you know, 40 minutes or whatever that time was. uh, And now you don't have an episode. 
I've learned that I can record two episodes back to back wearing the same shirt and the sky is not going to fall. Um, yeah. So this has been fun. I have enjoyed sharing with you and cataloging for myself what I have learned over a year of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. I can't tell you how many times I have aired episodes and thought, well, that was it. That was just terrible. It was awful. No one's going to listen. And then I have people, you know, mention those particular episodes as having been meaningful for them. So I don't have a good sense. What I have learned is that I don't know when I put something out there, whether or not it's going to hit the mark for someone. I can't know that. And I can't know if it's going to hit the mark for them today or if it's going to hit the mark for somebody who downloads it in several years. And so realizing that really helps to loosen the grip. The takeaway that I would say for me from this is it's about perfectionism. It's about letting go. My biggest takeaway overall, truly, I suppose, which even incorporates the bits about the public speaking is really the importance of just doing it, just putting it out into the world, just learning it, whatever that thing is for you. You will learn so much from the doing. It's amazing. I heard an interview recently. Um, oh gosh, who did, who was I hearing interviewed? Okay, so Andrew Huberman interviewed Tim Ferriss and Tim Ferriss was talking about a conversation he had with Seth Godin when Seth Godin gave him the following question, which is really turning a pretty common question on its head. People will often ask in a coaching context or otherwise, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And Seth Godin's upside down way of looking at this question was, what would you do even if you knew it wasn't going to be successful? And my takeaway from a year of doing this podcast is if I stopped tomorrow, it would have been worth it. It hasn't blown up Apple's charts. It's not going to, but it has been entirely worth it for me, for the growth that I've experienced, for the way that it has changed my thinking, for the way that it has allowed me to put myself out in the world and taught me to put myself out in the world in a different way, for the conversations that it has allowed me to have with other people, um, all of those things. It has been something that I would do all over again, just for the value of having done it. And those are, those are the positions you want to be in, right? Where you're doing a thing because the process is good. It's not for an outcome. I mean, I imagine it's fairly obvious. One of the reasons that I do a podcast is to acquaint possible coaching clients with me so that they can find me. It's a way to put my body of work into the world so that people can find me so I can coach them. But even if it doesn't result in that, it has been entirely worth it. So what are the things that you would do even if you knew you would fail? What is it that you would do just for the process of doing it, just to learn, just for the experience? All right, y'all, thank you for sticking with me for another episode of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. More importantly, 
Thank you so much for sticking with me for a year of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. I am looking so forward to what the next year will bring on this show. If you have enjoyed this episode, if you have enjoyed this year, please review the show on Apple Podcasts. It truly does help others to find the show really like nothing else. I don't mention the fact that you can also review it on Spotify, though you can, and I will certainly take your stars because the vast majority of listeners are listening to it on Apple Podcasts. And that is where people typically find their podcasts. Um, The other thing I would mention is, is yes, I am available and taking coaching clients. I do have a few slots available for weekend coaching. If you are interested in that, I will include a link in the description of this episode in the show notes. Please reach out to me. Let's talk about how I can help you. It would be my honor. Thanks again for being here. It has been great to chat with you. I do not take it for granted. I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Bye.